morning. Trudy Clausen here joining you on location. I have never done such a thing before, but here I am on location, and we're going to see how it goes. Uh, I mean, as well, I guess we've. I'm, I'm, I'm on location at the uh, BC Natural Resources Forum, and we have provided the guests that have come from across British Columbia, north, south, everywhere, as well as Alberta, and uh, later on we'll have our, uh, I think we're going to be joined by one of the organizers, and we'll find out how far people have come from. Uh, but our first guest this morning is Curtis Laporte. Curtis, welcome. Good morning, Chris. I'm so sorry, Chris. No problem. <laughs> um, well, welcome, and uh, tell me a little bit, is this your first year at the Forum? This is my second year at the Forum. Okay, and what makes you come back? The first year was very interesting. It was very much out of my typical wheel space. Typically, we are upstream oil and gas, uh, so a lot of service provider-type trade shows, uh, events. So this one being a little more tied in with governmental relations, a little more uh, focused on the environment, emissions, uh, LNG, trade specifically in B.C., that's what drew me here. Okay, all right. Now, tell me a little bit about your company. You are the founder of, uh, what's your company called? Yes. The company's EnviroFrac. Uh-huh. So it's short for environment and uh, FRIC frac. It is a emissions reduction company. Yeah. So our goal is to reduce emissions on oil and gas locations within drilling and completions operations. That's, that's a big deal. And we do a lot of fracking, especially in northern B.C. Yes. And so that's where uh, you supply to those companies then, yes. services? Yes. Yeah, they are the, all the major producers, junior producers throughout northeastern B.C. and Alberta, all, all uh, producers that we're all very familiar with. All right. So can you tell me a little bit about your, your pro- the processes by which you are doing the replacing of the diesel with natural gas? For sure. For sure. So everybody, I'm sure, are very familiar with Caterpillar and Cummins engines. Uh, right now, typically those engines uh, had burned just strictly diesel in times past. Now, with the move towards emissions reduction and efficiencies, those engines now have the ability to burn natural gas and diesel. So they're called dual fuel engines, DGB or bifuel. So what we do is we want to displace the diesel use throughout a drilling and completions operations. Now, how we do that is uh, a very straightforward process to us, but to explain it a bit here this, this morning is if we run location on an oil and gas or remote site, we will tie into existing infrastructure. So that could be a pipeline or a wellhead, something that carries the oil and gas affluent. We run piping to there. We run it through our process, mm-hmm. which is a skid-mounted unit. We refine the gas clean it up, we get it nice and clean, remove debris, sand, water, maybe wax, some wellbore contaminants, and then from there we distribute to each and every cat or Cummins engines or the horsepower on site. Okay. Well, that's incredibly interesting. And you can do this without the engines losing power? Yes. Because, I mean, that, that's always anybody familiar with the, uh, diesel engines knows that power is the big thing that they provide, and you can do that without losing power. For sure. There is no derating of the engines of okay. the horsepower. Excellent. All right. So uh, what are your plans? Are you, are your plans to come back next year for the, for the, uh, for the forum again? Yeah, very much so. Uh, this, this is the second year, as we said, attending. We, we more and more people, more and more opportunities, more uh, 
contacts, so the opportunity for, for business, but also education has been fantastic. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Chris, and uh, thank you for coming into uh, uh, the radio here, and uh, wish you all the very best uh, for the coming year. Thank you very much. And if I could just ask one more, one more moment, is when we displace the diesel costs on location for in a mere two-week period, they'll displace over half a million dollars in diesel costs. Oh, my goodness. So that's a huge benefit. That is astonishing. Wow. Is provided. Wow. Well, thank you for adding that. Thank you so much again, uh, Chris, for coming in, and uh, we'll... Uh, Hope to see you next year then. Guaranteed. Thank you right. for your time. All right. Okay, my next guest up, I believe, is Curtis O'Reilly from, from BC Hydro. BC Hydro had this incredible uh, announcement yesterday uh, with, I think, a $36 billion announcement. And Chris is just getting his headset on. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Great, great to be here, Trudy. All right. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit? I, I know that you have uh, already done some uh, reports. Can you tell us what this will mean for Prince George? Well, it's a, a significant increase in our capital plan to support electrification and growth of the um, of the province of, of BC, and we want to be there to support it. So, there's projects all over um, uh, British Columbia that we've got planned, and they include um, investments in our current system as well as um, expansions in the grid to support, uh, to get power where um, our customers need it to be. So, Okay. So does this mean more transmission, like we'll be seeing more transmission lines or yes? Yeah, it's a whole range of, of projects. I think one project in particular that will be of interest here is the proposed um, twinning of the transmission line from Prince George to Terrace, and that's okay. a very big investment that we're hoping to do in partnership with um, First Nations in a co-ownership model, and that will support um, new uh, customer developments all over the North Coast, a very significant um, investment. I think not just for uh, Prince George and, and British Columbia, but I think for the whole country, it's a really a strategic corridor that opens up a lot of um, of new investment as well as trade with Asia. Okay. Well, that's incredibly important things. And, and as we're developing our economy, I mean, you can't do anything without energy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and increased electrification means that we need, we need an investment like that. So is there anything that, um, that maybe you've been thinking, oh, I should mention this? I know that you. I, I caught you. I got a little bit of time, and so is yeah. there anything else you'd like to say? Well, I think it's a. It's just to go back to the climate plan. It's an important uh, electrification is one part of the, the climate plan. It's not mm-hmm. the whole climate plan, but a, an important part, a very accessible part for our customers. And we're seeing great demand. This customers want to move from reduce it, want to reduce their fossil fuel consumption and, and use more of our electricity and we really want to support them in that and, and that supports the province meeting our targets and while ensuring um, economic growth and prosperity and, and really leaving no one behind in this province. I think the, the opportunity to build a sustainable economy that benefits everyone I think is, is amazing and something we want to be part of. Yes, and absolutely because uh, cheap energy ensures that more people can, can yeah. participate in the economy. So just one other question that I've had actually a few people ask me is, will you be providing uh, opportunities for, I'm not quite sure what the term is, is it third part, like for people to pipe into to provide energy to BC Hydro? Is that part of this? Yes. We have a power call um, that um, we announced um, last summer, last June, um, and is going to be issued formally um, this spring. Okay. And that is looking for 
um, 3,000 gigawatt hours, which is equivalent to about 5% of our current supply. Um, um, and that is new generation, um, renewable generation, which we, we believe will likely, most likely be wind and solar generation, but we're open to all forms of renewable okay. generation. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Curtis, for... Uh, Chris. For, is it Chris? <laughs> it's I'm Chris sorry. O'Reilly, but still, that's okay. I'm still thinking, why am I thinking... Oh, I'm so sorry. That's all right. That's the that's second all right, person I called Curtis this morning. Uh, Chris, thank you so much, and uh, I really appreciate that, and, and of course, thank you for your participation in the forum and uh, for coming and highlighting Prince Great. George. Well, and thank you, that. Trudy. Great to be here, All right. Prince George. Okay. Wonderful you conference, could... wonderful uh, town. All right, great. You could have called me Fred, you know. <laughs> All right, so who has got, we've got a few people in the room. Laura, or who's feeling the most time pressure here? Shannon? All right, we'll have Shannon. <clears throat> All right, so good morning, Shannon Watt. Yeah, good morning, Trudy. Good morning. Now, Shannon, I was just so pleased to, to hear you talk yesterday because you, you talked about something, a piece, a piece of energy picture that, for some reason, sort of went by the wayside in terms of popularity, and yet we all use it. <laughs> yes, I know. So I represent propane, and uh, basically we're in everybody's backyard. Uh, but nobody thinks about us. No, and we just so, go to Costco and pick it up. Exactly. Uh, but propane's use, you know, uh, the production is in BC primarily. So BC has become our major producer of propane, and it's actually used 75% for industry, agriculture, as well as, you know, residential in terms of heating. And so it's used in all these different ways. And on top of that, we actually export 100,000 barrels of propane out of Prince Rupert. And we don't talk about that. And when we export that propane, we're actually replacing higher carbon fuels in Asia. Yes. So you represent, so uh, Shannon Watt is your name and your, like your last name as well. Yeah. And you represent the Canadian Propane Association. Canadian Propane Association. So we represent about 400 companies from coast to coast to coast, all along the value chain. Okay. And so how many barrels did you say you sent to Asia? 100,000. 100,000? Yeah, just off the coast. Oh, my goodness. How is it shipped? Sorry, this is like... Uh, they're called large large ship carriers. Okay. Yeah. Like, do they look like propane tanks that, like, no? <laughs> no? Okay. No, no. They really are just large ships, and they have this unique name of large ship carriers. Oh, so it's like an actual ship. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting about uh, Prince... Rupert, or that port in particular, is that they even have even smaller ones, so they can hit markets that other places can't go, because they have these smaller ships that can get to Hawaii, or down in Mexico, in these smaller ports. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm sorry, that's, like, totally fascinating to me. I had no idea. So now, tell me a little bit now, um, a a lot of our listeners will know that propane is, has been around for a long time, like Mm -hmm. I said, but but how is it made? Uh, So... Uh, not a byproduct, but a co-product of natural gas production. So if we are producing natural gas, if we have LNG going off our coast, we have propane. We have an abundance of propane. And it has similar qualities to natural gas, which is, you know, a cleaner fuel, uh, no issues in terms of remediation if it gets spilled, uh, and then can be used in all these different ways, including, you know, as a feedstock into chemical processes. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. I mean, I'm biased. Yes, but you are. You are. <laughs> now, so, it's now, so then I'll ask you just a little bit before uh, about mm-hmm. the forum and before I let you go. So, uh, is this your first forum? This is my first forum, and I have to say, this is the most unique conference I've ever been a part of. So, uh, people talk about the camaraderie that's here, the, the ability to talk to First Nations, to all levels of government, uh, to other industry, and how everybody comes together to talk and try and find solutions. It's it's incredible, and I highly recommend it. And, I mean, it's in Prince George. Like, it makes me think, I want to move here. It's so beautiful. Well, lovely, lovely. Next year we will be sure to have move up Prince George at the front door. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Shannon, and uh, have a excellent uh, trip back on your way home. All right. Okay, let's see if I cannot get anybody's names wrong. <laughs> I'm joined now by Laura Jones. Laura, welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Laura, this is, I don't believe this is your first time here for this conference, is it? It's not my first time in Prince George, but it actually is it my is. first time at this conference. Okay. All right. So what brought you? I mean, who do you represent? Well, okay. So I'm with the Business Council of British Columbia, and I'm fairly new. This is a new job for me, so I'm really excited to be here. And uh, BCBC represents some of the largest employers and mid-sized employers in the province. I'm proud to have some members here in Prince George and really excited to be, and lots of members, of course, in the resource uh, space. Yes, and you were, I believe you were moderating one talk. Uh, Am I correct? Yes, I moderated a panel on uh, the importance of BC's exports, or as I shorthanded it, exports rock. Yes, yes. (laughs) Uh, Because exports are just so important to um, all British Columbians, and it was nice to hear the Premier um, acknowledge the importance of natural resources and exports in his talk uh, the evening before, because we know that natural resources make up about half of the exports of the province, and if you include gateway services like the Port of Prince Rupert and Vancouver and the airports, that's two-thirds. Yes. So that's a lot of income coming lot, in tons. from resource sector. Yes, I was also very pleased to hear that. And uh, so what's sort of a message that the BC Business Council, um, if you had a chance to have the Premier's ear or, or the people's ear in terms of, you know, if they're thinking about, who, okay, who to vote for in the next election. I know that you guys are a little bit active politically. Uh, where would you direct people or what would you ask people to think about? Um, so I would ask people to think about... Um, exports, and that's a tough one because people, that's not top of mind, but I'll tell you what is top of mind for people is affordability. Mm-hmm. And often when we think about affordability, people are worried about uh, the, the price of bread, the price of cucumbers, what's going on in the grocery yeah. stores, and um, and that's part of the affordability challenge, and that's not something that the provincial government can do a whole lot about. Um, but the other side of affordability is incomes, is do we have opportunities to make a good living. And so when we think about the importance of incomes, that brings us back to the natural resource sector where a lot of the highest paying jobs are in those sectors. And the income for the province that helps support healthcare, education, uh, comes from those sectors. But those sectors compete in world markets. So the competitiveness of those sectors is really important. And so it may sound boring, um, but we need to pay attention and make sure that the policies that we have at the provincial level are um, helping keeping our export, our resource sectors, really competitive on world markets because they do a lot of good for British Columbians. They are something that we should all be very proud of in terms of the contribution they make. All right. Well, thank you so much, Laura. Uh, 
for coming in, and thank you. I'm so glad that you could be here, and I hope you'll be back next year. Thanks so much. All right. Okay. Well, it is time for a break, so we'll be back after these messages. The Beatles formed in Liverpool in 1960 and consisted of John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. They are widely considered to be one of the most influential bands of all time. The band's innovative songwriting and musicianship, as well as their charismatic personalities and sense of style, helped to shape the popular culture of the 1960s and continue to influence music today. Join us on Thursdays at 6 p.m. for Apple Scruffs, only on 93.1. Top 3 Food-Related New Year's Resolutions for 2024. Resolution number 2. Eat what I enjoy eating without having to feel guilty. For this, come to Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery. Our cakes, pies, cheesecakes, and other baked goods are mouth-watering and bring our customers back again and again without regrets. It's a cafe and bakery like no other. For delicious, guilt-free baked treats, come to Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery. Next to Pharmasave at 7th and Quebec. It's not that we meet a, a stingy, unforgiving, hateful God in the Old Testament and then a, a gushy, pushover granddad of a God in the New Testament who wants everyone to be happy in their own self-centered way. God sees it all, and he will not let us cover up the truth. Dr. Michael Ziegler, this week on The Lutheran Hour. You're listening for The Lutheran Hour, Sunday mornings at 8, here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly sunny today, north winds becoming light this morning, a high of minus 12, a morning wind chill to minus 27 with a risk of frostbite, increasing cloudiness tonight, wind up to 15K, a low of minus 19 with a wind chill to minus 23, for Friday cloudy with a 40% chance of flurries, snow beginning in the afternoon, a high of minus 12. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning. Thank you for uh, joining us this morning, Prince George. And next up here at the BC Natural Resources Forum, I have somebody who uh, uh, is very involved and very engaged in what happens in Prince George. Welcome, Ms. Simon. Mayor Yu. Thank you, Julie. Uh, all right. So, uh, Mayor Yu, is this your first? This is uh, my second. Your second Natural Resource mm-hmm. Forum? Yes, of course. Last uh, year. As a mayor, but I have attended a forum before that as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what, what do you think of the atmosphere? What do you think of... Oh, uh, wow. It's a tremendous. Full of energy. Um, we have a lot of mayors here, a lot of chiefs here, and uh, industry leaders uh, from all over the country, actually. Quite amazing. And there's some international investors as well. So I think this is uh, exciting. And uh, I think it's very timely as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, what did you? Uh, what have you been thinking about the announcements that have been made? Like I know, like the BC announcement, BC Hydro announcement, that was big. How do you think that'll impact? Oh, Prince this will impact Prince George in the more way than you know we can we we, we can you know imagine, see in the, yeah. imagine in the next few years because uh, you know at the twenty twenty five, so I see uh, dams uh, start switch the lights on and uh, now we can starting to uh, utilize a lot of this uh, electricity to export uh, in the form of hydrogen and uh, the news of uh, using the existing pipeline perhaps shipping uh, the hydrogen ammonia and these are exciting exciting developments happening announced announced here at the natural resource forums which will benefit Prince George. Uh-huh. We need it. Yeah, we do. We do. And what do you think of uh, 
like the space, I mean, I've heard so many people talk about the atmosphere in the forum is just, I mean, it is. It is electric. And uh, and the the organizers are telling me that they turned away so many people. Yeah, um, yeah we, need, we need a, Prince George need a bigger convention space, uh, especially when we eventually, I can see this uh, na- resource forum become a national uh, forum on an annual basis, or perhaps even international forum, mm-hmm. uh, because as the world start realize, you know, the days of doing investment based on financial engineering, those days are over. Yeah, so you mentioned I, that yesterday in yeah. your speech. So, so can, you, can you explain that? Yeah, because, uh, you know, um, in, a, in, the, in the past 20, 30 years, you know, we basically in North America, we... We do investment based on interest rate, what Wall Street says, you know, where is uh, the bond going, and not very much re- uh, investment based on the based on infrastructure needs, based on you know how to uh, you know get the energy um, change because during the model of uh, energy shifting around the world, so investment have to be follow what you know producing some goods. Yeah. So I think the time has come that, you know, the, the forum like this perhaps even eventually be more important than the, 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 the ones up in the, in the Davos, that, uh, in the Switzerland, you know, the World Economic yes. Forum. Those are important forums, but I think ours is just as important, in some way perhaps even more important. Well, ours is much more practical. More practical, yes. <laughs> and, Maybe and, more yeah. And then, then I, I think with this conference and the people starting to roll up their sleeve and Want to get things done? All right. Well, thank you very much, Mayor Yu, for joining us. Thank you, Judy. All right. Okay. Thank you. So, next up, I think we would, would like to have uh, MLA Raleigh Russell. He's the MLA for Boundary Similkameen. Yes, I think I said that right. He's a Parliamentary Secretary for Rural Development to the Minister of Housing, um, and he's a friend to local government. So, uh, as you're getting your headset on there, uh, we've got it. Okay, Raleigh, thank you so much for joining me. Of course, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. All right, so uh, what made you come? Uh, this, is, this is not my first time. I, you know, I, I uh, work with the, the province of BC, particularly around rural communities, and uh, and so it's it's an honor to be here always and get to talk about what the future is for our rural communities, particularly based on natural resource development. Okay. There's a lot there. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot. Because, uh, as we know, uh, population is tending to decline in rural areas. Uh, we have, you know, lack of serv- like I mean, there's so much to talk about. We have lack of so many services in our rural areas, um, which is, it would, I mean, people are saying, well, pe- more and more people are migrating to cities. Well, part of the reason they're doing that is because there's no services out in the rural areas. And, you know, we are people. We do need services. So uh, what do you say to that? Uh, I, well, I would, I would uh, disagree a little bit. I think, you know, right, in, you in, in, the, in the world of COVID, we saw uh, actually the, the opposite yes, happen, right? We saw, we saw migration back out into rural communities. Yeah. And so there is also that notion of... So then my question is, how do we that. Uh, yeah, very good question, right? Okay. And and I would, I, I, you know, on that sp- in that space, it's it's uh, we see people moving into rural places. People people choose to live in a lot of those rural places, and I think that uh, part of the task at hand is making sure the jobs are there in the future, the the the, uh, the incentives are there, and the services that we can provide are are there in a in a good way. I don't think rural people uh, expect the the services to be the same no, as they, they might be in yeah. in Metro no. Vancouver. No, but but the 
reality is this, whether we're talking healthcare, whether we're talking about education, we want to be able to provide those opportunities. And yeah, so what are some of the initiatives that you're, uh, that you're, uh, uh, Portfolio, portfolio, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your, your your mandate. What's part of that? So you know, I got I got here on uh, on Monday, and uh, one of, one of the first visits we did was out to, to Lake Denae Reserve and talking to Doug Olson out there, uh, and that was tied. We were with, out there with Talos talking about our commitment to connect all of all of rural BC with high speed internet by 2027. That's a good example, yeah. I would say, of, yeah. of okay, how do we help deliver those services? Yeah out into community. And again, that, that is, uh, you know, whether it's uh, the, the social connecting with loved ones, family, whether it is educational opportunities, health. Or even health care. All of those things, yes. exactly. Okay. And inspiring youth to stay. We want, we want the young people to stay in our community. We need to be able to, you know, provide those kinds of services for them. So everything from that to, to homelessness supports to uh, travel challenges, uh, you, you name it, it's a... It's a most definitely a cross-ministerial well, uh, uh, work, which I love. With, yeah. Um, so now you did go on a tour of, uh, of the Lower Patricia Moccasin Flats area. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, we've got about a minute to go. Sure. Did. You know, that was a, a pretty powerful visit, and it was great to be able to get up there and, and, and see the community there, hear from advocates. And, you know, a, a, there's been I know there's been some struggle there uh, in terms of all of those relationships. It seemed like my, my sense was that there was a fair bit of optimism in terms of, you know, where things were going, uh, good news with BC Housing and the municipality. Being Transitional, yeah. Yeah, so lots of support there. The request I heard from, from the people there on the ground was, let's just make sure that, that the, the insights from the grassroots kind of community from yes. the population there is incorporated and, and, and uh, included in the process as that, that program unfolds through the municipality and, and, and through the province. And, you know, that, that partnership between senior governments, so, so Canada, B.C., uh, local governments, and just grassroots communities really at the heart of uh, almost everything we're doing in rural communities as well. So. Yes, absolutely, I would agree. And are you looking at, is there a possibility that you're looking at maybe providing a little bit more mental health and addiction services in more rural areas? Uh, absolutely. And, it's, you know, I would say the challenge, the, the, the heart of that challenge in rural places is how do we minimize those barriers to access? So provide the, the avenues that people are comfortable using and are going to be able to use, and that's inevitably going to be a mix of a bunch of different touch points and a bunch of different avenues. Yes, I think you have your work cut out for you. I, most, most definitely, <laughs> and, it's, and it's, you know, it means so much, and I love it, so I'm, I'm happy to do it. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Raleigh, and uh, best wishes on your trip back, and uh, thank right. you for joining us. It's, it's been postponed and delayed and changed, but okay. uh, it looks like maybe I'll get home by tomorrow. So. Well, if not, yeah. you get to jo enjoy more of our snow. It's part of what rural life is all about. <laughs> it anyway. is. It thank is. you very All much right. for having me. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, so we're going to go to break now, and we'll be back uh, with uh, our next guest after these messages. Your Prince George Symphony Orchestra's Robbie Burns Night is Saturday at the Coast Prince George. Be on hand for the complete Robbie Burns experience. A full dinner, cocktails, scotch, haggis, pipes, dancing, auctions, and more. Take advantage of a free ride home with the shuttle service or stay the night in a discounted hotel room. Tickets and full details are available through pgso.com. Robbie Burns Night, Saturday at the Coast Prince George, from your Prince George Symphony Orchestra. 
Top three food-related New Year's resolutions for 2024. Resolution number three, eat healthy food that I enjoy eating. Let Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery help you out. You won't find healthier menu items than our soups, sandwiches, and baked goods anywhere. And our many satisfied customers have told us they eat here because they enjoy the food. Check us out for yourself. Your taste buds will be glad you did. Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery, next to Pharmasave at 7th and Quebec. Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats, founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erlatum to patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right. Good morning, Prince George. Uh, we're back. Uh, we've had a full slate of guests already, and, and, and now I'm very pleased to have Curtis Blakey Burkett here from Tree Time Services. Welcome, Curtis. Hello. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Curtis, uh, how did you end up here in the middle of January? Uh, so we have, uh, so we're a reforestation business, uh, out of Edmonton, Alberta, but we've been doing more and more business in both the Peace Country and the Central Interior, um, and so we've had a presence at the conference the last couple of years, the virtual year, and then last year, and, uh, the folks who came last year thought it'd be very important for, for me, uh, to be here and get a much better sense of what's going on in the area and learn more a lot, uh, about the, the lay of the land with the industry and business in this region. Okay, now I hear collective gasp around the city of Prince George, I think, because it's like, what? IFS supplies all our trees. Is that the case? Um, well, we, I, we don't sell a lot of trees into the forestry sector here. Um, we are partnered with the Coast to Coast Reforestation Co-op of nurseries in Alberta, and we produce about 65 million trees, a lot for Alberta, some into, into BC too. There's a lot of trees that are needed um, everywhere, but uh, the core of our business is reforestation outside of the forestry sector. So ah, okay. we do lots of linear, lots of conventional oil and gas, mining, um, restoration work. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about that and your involvement there? And what does the word linear mean when, it, when we're talking about tree planting? Sorry, linear restoration projects. Uh, so caribou habitat restoration, we've done quite a few of those both in Alberta and in BC, supplying trees as well as implementation and planting. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, so that's a, a big area of interest, um, yeah. as well as pipeline projects, uh, power lines. So it's a very different type of uh, reforestation yeah. work than traditional large-scale yeah, forestry planting. Yeah, you're not yeah. Re- just replanting lumber. No, no. So we plant. Uh, yeah, I think one of the one of the differences there is a more diversity of species um, because we're going into all types of ecosites and landscapes. Um, so everything from a lot of your traditional spruce and pine, but a lot of deciduous trees, lots of shrubs, lots of native plants, lots of traditional plants. That's interesting, yeah. especially in light of uh, forest fires uh, that we are seeming to enjoy every year, and some people blaming the fact that we're replanting our forests uh, with um, just single species. Um, 
And then also concerns with, like, we're not cleaning up our, our forest floor the way we should because somebody yesterday was talking about the potential for reburn, like, that actually the way we are dealing with burns is that those uh, those areas are actually susceptible to be getting a re having a reburn within 15 years. Yeah, that standing dead timber and uh, and the dead and drying flash can be a pretty significant hazard um, within 15 years, sometimes right away. Um, that was one of the surprises here. So I came here mostly to learn, and one of the things that surprised me a little bit was getting uh, the idea that uh, fire salvage is not as popular here as it is in Alberta. It's not as common. Uh, my background's in Alberta. I've been doing, uh, I started out doing archaeological impact assessments uh, for the Alberta forestry sector for about 15, 20 years. And there I got used to the fact that every year uh, when there was a big fire, the first thing we would be doing is getting in and clearing uh, that land for the fire salvage to come in. And so it's a priority in Alberta to get the, all that burnt and damaged timber um, salvaged and into the mills as a fiber supply. And it, I know some of that happens here uh, in British Columbia, but it doesn't sound like it's as, as common. That surprised me a little bit. Huh, that's, um, I mean, that's the thing that we were talking about yesterday was what I found really interesting, and especially just li- li- uh, hearing some of our panelists talk about that was, um, like, I didn't know that by not doing a proper job of the cleanup after fires that you have this potential for reburn so quickly. Yeah, so one, yeah, one of the things that was mentioned in the forestry forum yesterday was around there are multiple values on the landscape, and some of that biomass and some of that standing dent timber or the, the trees that survive are very important for habitat or for other values, um, but that's something that can be, can be managed, and we can try and balance those different values. Yeah. The idea of balancing that yeah. so that to make it less flammable. Yeah, less flammable, but also a, it's a fiber supply um, yeah. that uh, is already dead and uh, can can help supplement. And that's one of the big concerns here, right, is that yeah. sustainable fiber supply. Yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things we talked about yesterday, too, um, was one of my observations there about that is around, um, and I'm, I'm not a, a forester, and so some of this might be a, a little bit of a misunderstanding, but it seems like uh, one of the big differences there is the the land tenure approach in Alberta. Yes, we BC. talked about that. Yeah. And so that's something that's interesting to me, like because here in BC we're always struggling with the softwood lumber agreement, just forever. <laughs> and um, and uh, so how does that, like from your understanding, how, what is the main well, difference? I think one of the things that appears to be a difference is in Alberta the primary forest tenure model is the forest management agreement area. So it's large areas uh, where there's a long-term agreement to manage that land and to have access to that fiber, and whereas in, in British Columbia there's more of a mosaic of tenure arrangements, uh, a lot more quotas, licenses, auctions, and some land-based tenure. Um, but I think one thing you see, especially in the context of fire, is, um, is that management for long-term sustainable timber supply, and uh, the, the mills know that uh, putting the extra investment in to take care of that land, uh, they will benefit from that. 60 or 70 years from now because they have that long-term uh, tenure. So it's almost like a private system then. It's it's semi-private. Like It's a, yeah. a rights-based system. It's still crown land, and there's other values that need to be managed yes. and balanced there, traditional land use but values. Least, but they have yeah. the interest in if they want their mill to be sustained and their business to be sustained, they have an interest in managing well. Yeah, if they want to maintain long-term operations and the value of their mill or of their business, then they need to maintain that long-term timber supply and and, and different times, in different economic climates, uh, they might make decisions to make more investment into silviculture or um, planting larger trees, uh, doing thinning, that sort of thing, because they know that they will reap the benefits of that investment in the long term. 
And I think there's a, there are a lot of ways to do that, but it's one of the things that seems um, like it might be a way to to address some of the solutions around um, sustainability and certainty. Certainty is a word I'm hearing a lot here yeah. uh, that's very interesting. Okay. Yes, and certainty is absolutely a, a very important word, especially when you're when you're talking about investment and, and planning and even raising your family, you need more certainty. Uh, one other thing, just before I let you go, uh, resiliency, I was asked, or fire resiliency, I was asking you about that. Uh, so when you're replanting these areas, I, I mean, you did touch on it briefly, um, are you planting a variety or like the natural, uh, so what was there before? Or? Typically, uh, when we're working on a restoration or a reclamation project, the goal is to restore the landscape to what it was before. Um, those decisions aren't usually made by us. We're right. the last ones in, um, and we're, our job is to grow the trees that are needed and get the trees in the ground and make sure they're going to survive. Uh, but certainly variety is one of the ways that we can address resiliency going forward. All right. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining me, Curtis. I really appreciate that, and that was very informative. All right. All right. Thanks you for have, having me. Yes, thank you, and hope we'll see you back next year. And uh, it's time to go for a break now. We'll be back after these messages. Prince George's favorite empty nesters are back. Be on hand as Henry and Alice set out on a weekend getaway armed with a copy of Sex for Dummies to reignite their love life. A hilarious and relatable comedy, Sexy Laundry is back by popular demand through Theatre Northwest's season of magic and mystery. Containing a lot of coarse language and sexual humor, Sexy Laundry runs from February 15th to March 6th at Theatre Northwest. Get your tickets today at theaternorthwest.com. Your French George Council of Seniors is proud to present Jim Burns in concert April 27th at Vanier Hall. With a career spanning more than five decades and numerous awards, including three Junos and an Order of Canada honor, Jim's live performances light up every stage with songs and stories tried and true. In support of your French George Council of Seniors, Jim Burns, Saturday, April 27th at Vanier Hall. Tickets available through ticketsnorth.ca and at the CN Centre box office. Miracle Theatre's next show is A Comedy of Tenors by Ken Ludwig, starting March 13th. Shows are Tuesday through Saturday at 7.30, with Saturday and Sunday matinees at 2. Tickets are just thirty-seven fifty. available at Books & Company, or order by phone at 250-563-6637. Written by Tony Award-winning playwright Ken Ludwig, A Comedy of Tenors is a comedic treasure not to be missed. A Comedy of Tenors by Ken Ludwig, starting March 13th at Artspace, a Miracle Theatre presentation. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly sunny today, north winds becoming light this morning, a high of minus 12, a morning wind chill to minus 27 with a risk of frostbite, increasing cloudiness tonight, wind up to 15k, a low of minus 19 with a wind chill to minus 23, for Friday cloudy with a 40% chance of flurries, snow beginning in the afternoon, a high of minus 12. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, we're back, Prince George. My next guest is a home, well, not quite homegrown. I think you were born in Australia, weren't you? Yes, yes. You were. All right, that accounts for the lovely accent that we all enjoy. Uh, My next guest is Tim Joyce. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Trudy. All right, Tim. So what brought you to the Natural Resource Forum? Uh, so I work for local rental solutions here in town, and as we uh, have a lot of our clients here, we do a lot of equipment rentals, uh, and we service a lot of different mines around northern BC and up in the Yukon. All right. So yesterday you were telling me a little bit about 
the history of that company that you work for and where it was born. So can you t- share a little bit of the, about that story? Absolutely. Well, the, uh, the owners today are the founders, so uh, Dustin and Mandy Graham. They started in their garage in 2016, and they went in all in and uh, had great support uh, and community around them as they were uh, starting the company. And, yeah, they just really took off. They knew what they were doing, uh, won a major contract at Site C, and uh, from there expanded out to Terrace. And now we're on a mine site in uh, the Yukon, Victoria Gold. And, yeah. Wow. So from from their garage... Mm. They got a contract for, for, for to, uh, to build to help build Site C or to, to pri- provide services there. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we did some major custom heating solutions for all of the boring tunnels to uh, to heat them, and actually we're still there today. Really? Yeah. Well, how did that work? I mean, was there no were, were there so I mean, were they filling a niche that nobody else had thought to fill, or what, how did that come about? Actually, yeah, that 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 is kind of how it happened, and uh, no one else was really willing to think outside the box for their particular needs and um, providing a kind of a custom, more efficient solution to heat uh, everything that they were doing. Oh, oh, well, explain that a little bit to me. That's really interesting because, I mean, that that's what's supposed to happen in a market economy, mm-hmm. right? Like you see a need that isn't being filled and you fill it. So can you, uh, how is what, you, what your company uh, provides different than, than most others? Yeah, so apart from all of the, you know, the standard, equipment that a construction site or a mine will need. Uh, We really kind of get down into the nitty-gritty of the design, um, the implementation, and the ongoing maintenance of custom heating solutions. So it's not just diesel, it's also natural gas and propane. And, um, yeah, we have have gas fitters, we have engineers, we have, you know, uh, a a gas license so we can pull all the permits and kind of uh, have that liability on us instead of on the contractor. Oh, wow. Wow, so I mean that makes it dealing with with your company much easier than than compared to others, I would suppose, because you guys are the experts. You know exactly what kind of coverage you need and, and the liability and all of that. Absolutely, and that's that's really one of our major things is just to be that easy button for right. a company to know that we can handle that whole side of wow. uh, the heating. Well, yeah. that is a great sales pitch, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so recently, you have done uh, work up in you said none of it. Yes, yes. So well, we, tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> was, That's really fascinating. It was a bit of a milestone for our company. So we sent a Hercules plane uh, full of custom heating solution uh, up there uh, to Yellowknife and then up to B2 Gold. And, uh, yeah, it's going really well. Wow, wow. Uh, up in the north where it's probably colder than it is here. Yes, yes. And so with um, the owners, and it's a, it's a great team that we have, they, they really dig into... Um, making sure that the the mine or the company there is zero downtime as as much as possible. Yeah. So we've got a lot of redundancies, a lot of things, and service is just so important to us. So yeah. if something goes down, which things happen, that we're there. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining me. That's just such a great success story for the city of Prince George. Uh, thank you for joining me, Tim. Thank you, Trudy. All right. Okay, I think next we have got Sarah Weber, the queen of the forum. (laughs) I had uh, Sarah on last week talking about, you know, what was coming up for the forum. And um, so now I've got her back talking about, well, how did it all go? So, Sarah, welcome. Oh, thanks so much for having me back. Well, we're on. I mean, it's not done yet. We still have the rest of the day. 
left? We so, do. It feels like it's been a week already. It because does. Because so much in. Yes. But, um, yeah, no, we still do have the rest of the day. In fact, uh, yeah, we've got some pretty amazing things that are going to be happening, and including uh, the Honorable Jonathan Wilkinson uh, safely made it into town, and he will be oh, delivering good. his uh, his address at noon today. So, yeah, there's lots to lots of content left Great. to come. Great. I have heard a crazy amount of positive feedback from this forum. Um, it's actually quite remarkable, and people saying, like, it's unlike anything else. It is just incredible the amount of... Um, not not just the, the the people that it attracts because I mean you can put on a big party and have a lot of people come, but in terms of the relationships built here, like that's just amazing. Well, I think some of it is is credited to the uh, hospitality and friendliness of, of Prince George, and and I'm not saying that because I'm on your show. Um, <laughs> But I'm sure, it's nice, I'm sure it's nice to hear that. Um, you know, I had ministers say that, you know, the venue's perfect. Uh, I mean, it could always be bigger. There could always be improvements made. However, just the, you know, it's people come and then they stay and they run into each other. Someone described it as non-pretentious. Uh, oh. So people can feel very comfortable. And, the yeah, the conversation's just flow much easier up here. Yes, I, I think I think I know what they mean. And so that's so. What do you think for next year? Like, are you going to try to be bigger? Do you need more space? Uh, oh, I heard somebody saying that they were on a wait list already for a booth. I heard somebody saying, "There's no way we're giving up our booth." <laughs> yeah. So when you do exhibit, you know, we give you first right of refusal for next year. So you know, we are going to be opening up a wait list for people who want to, and, and booths do come free mm-hmm. each year. Um, you know, there's there's always challenges in managing these types of uh, of arrangements. Um, yeah, in an ideal world, we'd see some some type of expansion and some investment into accessibility. Uh, I'd really like to see that as as a priority for the if there's any development at Civic Center um, for accessibility. In which, in which way? I mean, there's a lot of ways uh, to think about that. Well, so. so if you're in a wheelchair and, and stage okay. accessibility, yep. it's a real challenge. Uh, so we did have a, a ramp built, but it's you know, and it's certainly within guidelines, but it was a lot of people working really hard to make a solution for one of our speakers oh. today. And, you know, those are barriers that we need we need to remove. Ugh, yeah, yeah, because it's not as simple as you think. No, it's certainly not. It's and certainly it's not. always, like, for the person in the chair, yeah. I, I just know it's a bit of a nightmare for them. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, so are you expecting next year to... Um, or no, I, uh, sorry. What I wanted to ask you is, it's, what was your? How many vendors did you have? How many attendees? Do you know the rough numbers? Uh, yeah. Well, I know we had over fourteen hundred attendees, uh, which is, you know, it's a lot for a building this size. Um, but we worked really well with the with the staff here and changed the way we do the room flips. And so, you know, the way we left the the banquet hall set up, it you know certainly provided more breathing space for people and. And, uh, yeah, so that, that has been excellent. We haven't had any congestion points or feeling really too close together like we used to feel during the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, I think that was the right number. We did cut off sales because we were concerned. Certainly the weather has impacted a few people that didn't yeah. weren't able to make it. So that's, uh, yeah, that's one thing. So, no, record numbers of attendance. Um, yeah, like you were getting a lot of, lot of positive feedback, but we definitely survey everybody at the end of the event just to find out you know, where are those points for improvement and constructive dialogue that we can work on. And, uh, yeah, we have about 74 exhibit booths, and a couple of those, uh, you know, we donate to local uh, local groups or charity groups that uh, rotate through. So, 
All right. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fulsome it's a fulsome event, and you know our goal every year is to uh, kick it off in a in a you know in a positive way. And it's easy to come to conferences and, and talk about all your problems, but I I think this group does a good job of becoming solutions focused. Yes, and I so think that's. That's that's the vibe you're feeling is optimism. Yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the smell in the air. I know, I know. I was telling somebody who you know people who sort of think of BC as being not the place to invest, and it's like, wow, they should be here, right? And it's uh, because there's so much energy and enthusiasm, and you can't sustain that. Uh, it's not just a party; it's actually about people are feeling enthusiastic. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, um, anything else? I mean, yeah, I guess just, you know, thank you to to everybody in, in the city, um, everyone that pulls, uh, that comes, that attends, that exhibits, that, you know, puts extra staff on. I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of great restaurants now in Prince George and people are making those reservations. There's a number of different receptions around town. And, and this year, with the cold weather and all the snow, the sidewalks were perfect. So really easy to, <laughs> to access. And, uh, yeah, so it's been, uh, yeah, it's just been a fantastic time. And, you know, everyone that stops me just says that they're, especially if they haven't been here before, they're like, everyone kept saying it's the place to be in B.C. this week. And they're like, now I understand it. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for coming on. And uh, thank you for uh, putting on this forum and uh, bringing Prince George into the spotlight. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. All right. My, uh, so before I go to our last guest, uh, we have a break coming. So we'll be back after this. The Prince George Hospice Palliative Care Society offers family grief support services. These services support children who grieve and their parents and caregivers. The programs are separate but run at the same time. The same topics will be presented to each group, which can then be shared with the family at home together. There is also a children's drop-in support group. Registration is required. Registration and full details are available from the Prince George Hospice Palliative Care Society online at pghpcs.ca. Top three food-related New Year's resolutions for 2024. Resolution number three, eat healthy food that I enjoy eating. Let Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery help you out. You won't find healthier menu items than our soups, sandwiches, and baked goods anywhere. And our many satisfied customers have told us they eat here because they enjoy the food. Check us out for yourself. Your taste buds will be glad you did. Deb's Cafe and Specialty Bakery, next to Pharmasave at 7th and Quebec. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow, train, and sell your business. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats, founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Seniors Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and there are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and meat pies. Everything from Erlatin to Patties is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Crooked River Parsnip. All right, we are back. Uh, Trudy Clausen here talking with attendees at the Natural Resources Forum. And my, uh, I 
so I'm, I, I think I've saved the best to last <laughs> because I am a little bit partial to to our rural areas simply because I know that our that our economy thrives and is built around resources and developing resources. And uh, and so here I've got Jerry Lynn Kirk. Jerry Lynn, welcome. Thank you, Trudy. All right. Jerry Lynn is the director of Area A. Area G. 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 Yeah. There we go, Area I had an A there. Area G, but it's more commonly known as Crooked River Parsnip, which is, where does your area start? So basically my area starts at Salmon Valley, Summit Lake, Bear Lake, McLeod Lake, um, the uh, Pine Pass, so the the ski resort, oh, okay. King, and then all the way to Azuzeta, where it changes into Area E for the Peace River region. Okay, so is Azueta Lake in your t- yep. area? Wow. Yep. Oh, my goodness. I've got a beautiful oh. area. <laughs> yeah. So well, blessed. Yeah, that is that is absolutely an incredible area. Um, and, in, I mean, drive through the Pine Pass lots, worked in that area lots. Um, okay, so actually, and I think this is very fitting that you are um, uh, my last guest. You have got your your area was was highlighted in a lot of recent announcements. So pick one, pick which pick one, one you want to talk about first. <laughs> so first of all, I guess let's say that um, some of the things that have been going on with Bear Lake have been kind of hard to swallow with the curtailment of the Polar Mill, uh, the Canfor facility there. Um, right before Christmas, it was a it was a tough pill to swallow. Um, they've had some issues finding volunteers for the fire department, so that's been curtailed as well. They're still training, but um, that's been a difficult thing for for Bear Lake. But then we've had these great positive announcements. So we had Vitreo Minerals announce uh, fracking sand. Um, so that's the silica sand uh, um, required. It's required in fracking, but I. I've, uh, if I understand correctly, it can also be used in solar panels. So it's it's a, a huge announcement, and um, so that's something that um, they've done. Uh, they've come into Bear Lake and talked to the residents, and the residents seem to be very excited about it and have asked questions, and uh, it looks like it's, um, you know, well on its way. And then yesterday... Um, there was an announcement between McLeod Lake and a company called Defense Minerals, and uh, they're looking at coming in and uh, doing some work about 35 kilometers east of Bear Lake. And this one is this one is sort of like a science fiction movie. <laughs> it totally is, and it's like and, and I when I heard the name of the company because I'd heard it that it was a rare, about rare earth minerals, yes. and I thought. And then when I heard the name of the company being Defense Minerals, it's like, well, that is exactly like this is a na- this is something that will have an impact on our national security. This is something that will have an impact on everything from I just wrote this down: um, everyday devices like cell phones, electric vehicles, the electric seats in your car. Without these the minerals, you can't have your electric seats in your oh, car. Um, oh, I know. <laughs> uh, wind turbines, military components, air conditioning, refrigeration. So this. These rare earth minerals are so important in every everyday life, and right now, currently, eighty percent of all of the rare earth minerals are mined in China. So and it's not that, yeah. So, so just for our listeners, listen to that again. Eighty percent of our rare earth minerals are mined in China, and so that means that we are vulnerable to the whims of the Chinese government and when, shipping routes that shipping you've routes? seen lately. Yes. The shipping routes being uh, cut off, and so. Without that, we lose those uh, 
those products. So, and, and it's not just we lose those products. This is not like like these rare earth minerals that we're talking about. They're not just to put magnets on your fridge. No. These are what power or are necessary for our cell phones to work. Yeah, communications uh, or our communications, like yeah. and even, I mean, we can do without the the seat mover back and forth or whatever. <laughs> Wait a minute, you can. I'm tall. <laughs> well, okay. Well, you just have to manually put it back. But I mean, for cell phones and, and communications, like this is absolutely vital. Exactly. And uh, this is just so incredibly exciting. So what's exciting is the way that the company has proceeded. So basically, before they applied for environmental assessments, before they applied for anything, they went to McLeod Lake and sat down with the chief and council there and said, look, would you like to be a part of this? Mm -hmm. So yesterday at a uh, media event, the, there was a, uh, an agreement signed between McLeod Lake and Defense Minerals to um, work together, and McLeod Lake is actually a, um, a part of this contract now. Yes. So, yes, well, super exciting. Very exciting. All right, well, thank you so much for coming in, Gerilyn, and uh, best wishes to you. So that wraps up our broadcast here on location at the uh, BC Natural Resources Forum, and I just encourage you to tune in tomorrow morning for After 9 with Andreas Krebs and the political panel. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Darren Guess, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. Listen for a rebroadcast of today's program tonight at 10. And for past shows, check out the archives link at cfisfm.com.